0: Okay, good evening everyone, welcome back, We're getting back together at the end of a long, busy, and hopefully somewhat productive week. Parshas Vayigash, okay. our Chumash and Shalom here, of course, and good to be back with everyone once again. So Vayigash, getting close to the end over here, ready to wrap up Voracious once again. And Vayigash, um, we have the climax, the culmination of the two parshias that preceded it, that come together in the third and final parsha, all its drama and suspense, where we have this show between Yehuda and Yosef, understanding mistakenly that Yehuda is confronting the Egyptian viceroy, and after all the sorrows that Yosef has been putting them through, and finally we have the revelation and the uh, Famous words, Ani Yosef Ha'id Avichai. I am Yosef as my father still alive. And the Pasuk says, and when Yosef finally reveals himself to his brothers, they couldn't answer him. They couldn't answer him. They had nothing to say. They were shocked and they were stunned because they were Nivhalu. They were left speechless. They were left speechless. Here we go. <clears throat> this is Perek uh, Memdalid. The brothers couldn't answer him because they were so shocked and stunned and left speechless. They couldn't answer him when Yosef reveals himself to him. I'm your brother Yosef, is my father still alive? So the Posig makes sense, doesn't need a lot of explanation over here. And uh, very, very understandable why they should have been so shocked and so stunned and so uh, speechless. Everything was just turned around on them. Everything was turned around. Yosef, this person went from being the Viceroy of the Mishnah Lamelech to Yosef and they realize also in one moment, in one instant, that this is Yosef, that it now has power of life and death over them. Right? They're, They're in the hands of the brother they betrayed 22 years ago. So, it's more than understandable why they have nothing to say, why they're so in shock. Why they're so in shock, this is the last person they were expecting this to be. But there's an interesting medrash on this posik. The medrash says something that takes a pasach that's very straightforward, a posik that's very understandable, and and, and and puts a strange wrinkle on this posik. Makes it a little bit more difficult to understand. medrash says... That we can learn a lesson from the fact that the brothers were unable to answer Yosef. What do we learn from that? It says the Medrash. <speaking in Hebrew> woe is to us from the day of judgment. Woe is to us from the day of rebuke. That there's going to come a point in time after 120 that each and every one of us is going to have to take the stand in the grand tribunal. Each of us is going to be summoned to justice and summoned to sentencing up in the heavenly courts after. We're here for 120 years. We're all going to have to stand trial for our actions, defend ourselves, explain things, answer for things. And says the Medrish that if Yosef's brothers couldn't answer him, then what are we going to say on the day of that great trial, the grand tribunal after 120, when we're going to be summoned to justice? Certainly, we're not going to be able to say anything either. <speaking in Hebrew> Woe is to us from the day of judgment. Woe is to us from the day of great rebuke that we have coming up. The same way, Yosef's brothers were unable to say anything when they received judgment and rebuke, din and from Yosef. We certainly won't be able to answer anything to God. That's what the measure says on this pasuk. And the obvious question is, what's the comparison? Well, what's going on over here? Well, what's the din and the taichacha? All Yosef said. All Yosef said to them was, Yosef, Yeah, I'm Yosef, your long lost brother. Listen, is Dad still alive? Is he still alive? Where's the din? Where's the taychach of anything? He tries to calm them down. In the next pasuk, he says when he sees that they, you know, are so are so uh, speechless, when they're so stupefied over here, he tells them, "Al tayatsu, don't be upset, don't be don't be depressed." Don't be angry. Don't start second guessing yourself. That you sold me. Yehoshua tries to com- com- console them and comfort them and calm them down. Hashem sent me here to keep all of you alive. That's why Hashem sent me. Send me to keep you alive. So if anything he's doing the opposite, We're, there's no teichacha. There's the opposite teichacha. He's calming them down. He's being affianced them. He's consoling them. He's saying, "Don't worry." You know, God. this is all part of God's master plan, this is all supposed to happen, I know you feel bad, but it all worked out for the best, I was sent ahead to, to keep you guys alive, to give you sustenance, etc. We don't find any din, we don't find any teichacha, and if anything we find the very opposite, we find, we find Yosef coming his brothers down, and yet Chazal, on this posseg, they say, here we can learn how bad and how hard it's going to be for us to answer God when we receive din and teichacha. Yosef's brothers couldn't answer him, certainly we're not going to be able to answer God when we're called out after 120. Again, the question is: What's, what's the what's the shaykhas? What's the comparison? They didn't get any din. They didn't get any from Yosef. How can we use this as as a um, frame of reference for the din and the the rebuke and the reprimanding that we're going to get after one hundred twenty? We're not so bad. We're not bad guys, right? We're not so bad. Right. Good. There's another question. Look, we can throw that question in there also. That that uh, Yosef's brothers. These these. Uh, you know, they 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 plotted against him. They were out to get him. So that we understand why they get shaken up. Even if we we'll, we'll overlook the first question, that he didn't give them any dinner teichach. He didn't give them any moser. No moser. Over. No rebuke. But there there at least they have something to feel bad about. What do we? We don't have anything to feel bad about, right? We're not we're not bad people. We're not bad people. So a question on both ends over here. What's the what's the you know two we would say? What's the comparison? How are we you know taking apples and we're producing refrigerators, right? What's what's the, what's the shaychus the over here? So we're going to begin with the base hallevi. There's a base hallevi that says an idea, and we're going to, we're going to try to build off of that base and Maybe make some more connections. Base al-levi actually says a very frightening, a very sobering idea. He, he brings this medrash down, and he points out this problem with the medrash that how can we extrapolate from here, the musr that we're going to get from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, after 120, I, Yosef didn't give his brothers any musr. All he said was, Ani Yosef, I'm Joe, I'm Yasi I'm Yasi Shalom Aleichem." He didn't give them any musr, didn't give them any taichacha. Says the Beis HaLevi, he didn't give them taichacha, he didn't give them din, he didn't give them rebuke because he didn't need to give them rebuke. He didn't need to give them reprimanding and admonishing it was self-evident. It arrived on its own. The musr, the rebuke, the reprimanding, was self-evident and self-generating by the f- mere fact that he said those two simple words, I'm Yosef, I'm Yosef. That brings with it, on its own, naturally and automatically, a torrent, a cascade, of Din and of re- reprimanding and rebuke. How so? He can give the musr, he's saying the opposite, he's calming them down, he's making nice, he's being mafayis them. Those two words, says the Beza Levi, is the greatest rebuke of all time. Why? What's Yosef essentially telling them, and what are they hearing, and what are they being told in one fell swoop when they hear those two words? They're being told that they've been wronged for 22 years, that they made a mistake. And they made a very big mistake and a very bad mistake. Now, let's return to Revelio Bear's question. Revelio Bear was saying, like, they, they they were out to get. They plotted against him, and and another brother. We're, we're, we try hard. We try to do the right thing. And sometimes you know we're not we're not rebelling against God. We're not out to get God. They were out to get Yosef. Were they really out to get Yosef? I mean, were, were they a bunch of murderers? They were a bunch of uh, of um, uh, sibling rivalry gone wrong. They they couldn't stand him, so they had to kill him. And we know we know that's not what happened, and we know already. The Svarim Kadoshim tell us that they had a chesed in killing Yosef. And and going through the stages of... Initially, they wanted to kill him. And then Reuven says, "Um, let's not kill him, let's just throw him into the pit. And then Yuda says, let's not throw him into the pit. Let's sell him and make some money. So they went through a shackle of Etariah. But it all came as a result of a decision that they made. The decision that they made was that Yosef has to go. They made a decision. They made a psak. They had a ruling. And it was a halachic ruling. Their halachic ruling was that Yosef has to be eliminated. And they originally passed him that they had to kill him. They passed him that he was Chayv Misa. Not only that, it wasn't just a psak versus acting out of out of, out of uh, hot-blooded fury and anger and their tempers unchecked and, and, and their jealousy and their hatred of their brother. No, it wasn't that at all. It was a psak. It was a psak That they involved none other than HaKadosh Baruch Himself. The Rebunsham was involved in their Psaq. Rashi brings them that the reason why nobody ever told Yaakov, their father, all those years, what they really did to Yosef, is because they made a ban. They made a ban on anyone being allowed to tell Yaakov. They said no one's allowed to tell Yaakov and they effected a ban. They made a cheirim and said no one's allowed to tell him. In order to effectuate such a ban that, that is that is binding that no one can break, you need ten people. And they only had nine. They only had nine people when they made this ban. They only had nine people. Why? Because three people were missing. Ruven was missing when they sold him because Ruven had gone back to the father. Yosef obviously wasn't part of the ban. Yosef wasn't going to participate in, in making this ban against uh, revealing where he was, right? He was, he was not uh, on board with this. And benjamin wasn't around. benjamin's was back with, with, with Yaakov also. So three brothers were listening, they only had nine. But the brothers needed to make sure that no one's going to tell this to Yaakov. So who was the tenth, the tenth there in the Bezdin that they needed to assemble to make this? Man, was HaKadosh Baruch Hu? The Rebaishah himself, what? Why did they take it? I don't know, it's a good question. But they didn't take Yitzchak, Maseh Chazal said they took the Rebaishah to Yitzchak knew, yes, because Yitzchak still had his Ruach HaKadosh. Yaakov lost his Ruach HaKadosh, Yitzchak knew through Ruach HaKadosh. They didn't tell him, but he picked up on it through Ruach HaKadosh. But the, why didn't they tell them It could be that they felt Yitzchak maybe would take Yosef's side. Maybe Yitzchak would take Yosef's side. What? When they what? sold him, yeah. Right, no, no. Rebellion bearers, I think I understood his question to be that they want to make a ban. It doesn't have to be made by Shasmise. So go, go travel to Yitzchak. Yeah, okay, but two, but good, beseder, beseder. So whatever the answer is, they had, they, 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 yeah, so whatever the answer is, they couldn't, they didn't, they didn't draft Yitzhak to be the tenth person. They drafted Hakodesh Baruch Hu. Well, what are you thinking? What, what do you, if, if this is, if this is an act out of sibling, of sibling rivalry, of intolerance, of, of, of just, of, 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 of anger, and this, these, 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 this hot bloodedness, so you're gonna ask Hakodesh Baruch Hu to be a part of that, and think you're gonna get, be able to get away with it? What do they think? They make a Bezden of ten people. They draft the Kaddish Baruch to be the tenth member of the bezin. They No one's allowed to tell Yakov. They thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were justified. They thought that they had a real psach halach over here that Yosef has to be eliminated. They they really thought that this that they were absolutely correct and absolutely justified, and they had no qualms and no shame in involving the rebbeish on the bezin. That's how. How justified they thought they were. Now, Lamaisa, where were they coming from? It Sounds crazy. I mean, I just kill your brother and think you're doing the right thing to the to the extent that you can get Akash Baruch Hu on your side. You know, make a pack, Never tell Yaakov, and part of it also they never told Yaakov for 22 years. 22 years they didn't tell Yaakov, even though they saw how difficult it was for Yaakov. Why, why didn't they tell him? No remorse, no regret. You're not going. Not gonna, if it's about again, if it's about an anger issue, anger, anger management problem. It's about if it's about fury. If it's about that they can't tolerate Yosef, that's why they have to bump him off. So eventually they're gonna calm down. You know, he's not there anymore. They're seething and fuming for twenty-two years, even when Yosef's not around, and that's why they don't tell Yaakov? Why did they tell Yaakov for twenty-two years? Why did he draft rebush him on this bezdin? Because they clearly think they did the right thing. They think that they're justified. It's an excellent question. See, Yitzchak knew We just said through Ruach HaKadosh. What happened to Yaakov's Ruach HaKadosh? So it was suppressed. It was taken away from him. It. it was all part of Hashem's plan. It was suppressed and taken away from him. Part of it was because he was so depressed. When you're depressed, you can't have Ruach HaKadosh. When you're sad, you can't have Ruach HaKadosh. You have to be happy to have Ruach HaKadosh. And Ribasham used that to suppress his Ruach HaKadosh. It's all part of Hashem's plan for Yaakov to... He lost his prophecy for twenty-two years. Yes, yes, he did. Yeah, Yitzchok still had it. That's how Yitzchok knew, but Yaakov Avinu lost it. So they thought they were acting um, justifiably. Yitzchok knew that Yakov that Yosef was alive, and Yitzchok was still alive for a while. And Yitzchok was not allowed to reveal it to Yaakov because they made a They made a. They, they made a, 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 gag order. They put a gag order on it with a bezdip. No one's allowed to tell. So, where were they coming from Lemaisa? That's a little, we can't get into that at length right now, but to get into it not at length, where were the Shvatim coming from Lemaisa? Um, we, we, do need to go out there a little bit to understand, uh, to how, how, to progress over here. Um, how to bring this back to Vaigash. They did have a, 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 um, a mahalach. They had an approach. They really thought they were justified. They really thought they were doing the right thing. They really thought that they were even obligated to get rid of Yosef. And that's why initially they wanted to kill him. They were prepared to kill him. They gave up psaq that they have to kill him. That's what they were about to do. Then Ruben says, no, you know, let's not kill him. You want to have blood on our hands? He may be Chayv misa, but let's at least throw him into the pit. Let the snakes and scorpions kill him. Let him die out of thirst and hunger and starvation and, and, and heat exposure. And then Yehuda says, "You know what? Why should we even let him die? Let's make some money, send him down to Egypt. He's good as dead. He's good as dead. That's what Yehuda's is telling them. He's good as dead. Where were they coming from? Lamaisa that they decide that he's chayv He's obligated to be put to death. They have an obligation to eliminate him. So that we see alluded to in the beginning of Parshas Vayeshev. when Yosef starts telling all these dreams to them, he starts sharing all these, all these uh, visions that he's having." And it's very clear what Yosef is, is taking away from these visions, from these dreams. And he shares them with his brothers. One thing is quite clear to the brothers, that Yosef has his eyes on the throne. Yosef wants to be the melech. Yosef wants to be in charge of Kala And this the brothers have a big problem with. And they say back to him, Ha-molech timlech imashol timshol banu. Yosef, you're really going to be the melech? You're the melech? You're not the melech? You're the Meshul, you're not the Meshul, you're not the king. You're not the one who's there, who's destined to run Klai's and the lead Klai's Who is that king? That king is not than Yehuda. And if you want to shepherd with the Malchus, you want to take the kingdom for yourself, you want to take rulership and authority for yourself, that's Meribah Malchus. Lo Yosur Shevet Mi Yehuda. That's coming up in next week's parasha. Lo Yehuda. The kingdom, the authority can't be taken away from Yehuda. You can't challenge the authority of Yehuda. You can't challenge the kingdom of... Malchus, base, Yehuda Malchus, base, David. And you, Yosef, by proclaiming yourself to be the king, you're admired by Malchus. <inaudible> Yosef, you're going to be the Malch, you're going to be the Malchus. If you persist in this, and he persists, he keeps having dream after dream, he keeps sharing his dreams, promulgating his dreams... And 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 with 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 a, what they see is with with a glee with a relish sharing all these visions that he's having with them, they determine that he's a married b'malchus. They determine that he's chayiv misa. Married b'malchus, he's shaking up the stability of Eretz Yisrael. He's challenging the authority, the leadership of Yehuda. Married b'malchus, you have to be put together, put to death. You're you're, you're messing up Eretz Yisrael. You're shaking up the stability of Eretz Yisrael. So they pass that he's chayiv misa to the degree that they're prepared to kill him. Ruben says, you know what? He's high misa, but let's let him die. Sheba Alta say, let's let him die passively. Yehuda says, no, let's not even kill him spirit- physically. Let's kill, kill him spiritually. Just send him down to Egypt. He's the same thing as that. He's good as that. Okay. So this is where they're coming from. They're coming from a perspective that Yosef is wrong. He's delusional. His dreams are wrong. His dreams are fantastical. They're a product of someone who has delusions of grandeur. Someone who has his eyes on the throne inappropriately and unjustly and Yosef is not destined for Machus. Yosef is not destined to be the king. Yosef is not destined to be the leader. And his dreams are false. His interpretations are false. The whole thing is false. The whole thing is made up. And that's why he has to be destroyed. So for 22 years they've been living with this decision that they had made 22 years previously. A decision, a outlook, a perspective on life which was based on the one simple notion that Yosef is not a Melech, nor is he ever going to be a Melech. The dreams are false, the prophecies are false, the interpretations are false, and Yosef therefore has to be eliminated from Yisrael. For twenty two years they live with this as a conviction, they live with this as reality, and they live with this, this this notion that they are absolutely correct, and they never back down from that. Not even once. And even though we see in last week's parsha, things begin to get very difficult for the Shlachim. We're going to point out something amazing now. We we begin to hear regret in their voice in parsha's Miketz. So in last week's parsha, we begin to hear the voices of regret and remorse. Right when 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 they come down to 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 Mitzrayim and Yosef is making so much sorrows for them as the Mishnah L'melach, he's saying, okay. where's Binyamin bring Binyamin down. Shimon has to stay captive until you bring Binyamin. He sends them back. He and then they, they, they're forced to come down with Binyamin. And things are getting hot under the collar for the Shvatim. They're beginning to have all these sorrows they have to do with Binyamin, they have to do with their brother. And we hear them discussing amongst themselves in the mikats that maybe we're receiving punishment for what we did twenty-two years ago. We finally begin to hear them re-evaluating them, and questioning this. But it's it's it, it, it's interesting and fascinating that although we hear them speaking with each other and speaking this and sharing this with each other, maybe. We went too far. Maybe we did the wrong thing. And maybe that's why we're being punished now. Avol Hashem they say. Avol Hashem We're guilty. We've been found guilty. They remark to one another halfway through Mikates when they see all the stars they're receiving in Mitzrayim at the hands of the Mishnah Lamelech. We hear regret, but what do they regret? It's fascinating and frightening if you look at the Pasek, they say what they have regret about. And what's more fascinating, Friday is what they don't have charat about, what they don't have regret. So, let's see. Let's see right here, right now, what do they say? They say like this. Um, um, it is So on, when they were on their way back, ah, yes, very good, very good. Thank you, thank you, Revali Bear. Okay, Parsha, this Parsha Mika to Perkman Beis, Puzik of Alef, Vayomi Achiv. Each they said to their each one said to the other one, Avala Hashem Anachnu, look, we've been found guilty. Why are we getting pushed around like this? Why are we having such sorrows now, such suffering now from this Mishnah of its Why is he giving such a, a, such a hard time? We've been found guilty alochinu regarding the matter of our brother Yosef from 22 years ago. We did something wrong. It's clear to us now Hashem is sending us a message that we did something wrong. What do we do wrong? So you'd think they'd say, what, we shouldn't have sold him? You know, we shouldn't have sold him. We made the wrong decision. No, maybe we were wrong. That's not what they say. He was pleading with us for mercy when we sold him. So what what are they saying they were wrong about? We should have been a little bit more merciful. We should have been a little bit more kind to him. We were a little too cruel. We were, we were, we were a little bit too, um, apathetic. We should have been a little bit more apathetic. We should have been a little nicer. That's what they have charot about. We could have done it in a nicer way. When he was saying, you know, don't be so rough, don't be so harsh, don't sell me to these guys, Maybe sell me somewhere else, send me somewhere else, we could have been a little nicer about it. That's what they say. But do they say, we're guilty, we shouldn't have sold him, we shouldn't have pretended that he was dead, we shouldn't have told our father, tarayf, tarayf, that he has been ripped to shreds, we, we shouldn't have decided that he's Misa. they don't say that at all. They, they don't have chayimisa from, they're not backing down, they don't have remorse and regret from the decision, from the psak, from the the, the 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 move that they made, that they had to eliminate him from Kleiso. No, He's saying we were a little too rough. We were a little too harsh. We were a little too cruel. A little too apathetic. We should have we should have done it with a little more sensitivity. You're, you can be a bezin. You can ask the guy Misa, but you can you should ask the is Misa with a little more sensitivity. See, even in you know the heat of the moment when they're getting pushed around, when they're getting shepherded by Yosef, and 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 and, and things get to get get to be, begin to get very hot under the collar for them very uncomfortable, they begin to have a degree of re- regret and remorse, but not about the Atza Mechira. they never say once we shouldn't have sold it. They never say once we shouldn't have Paskin that we have to get rid of it. They don't back down from that. Even when things get rough and get difficult and get harsh from Yosef HaTzadik, the only thing that they're open to considering is that maybe we went a little too far. Maybe we were a little little too rough with our brother. We were a little bit too unfeeling and a little bit too harsh and a little too cruel. But the the, the and mice itself, they never backed down from. They never changed their minds about that decision. Up until the point where in the beginning of Aygash, they are all there in Yosef's inner chamber. And Yosef sends everyone else out of the room. Up until the point which is a fraction of a second before Yosef finally reveals himself to his brothers. Right before he says, I am, I am Yosef, I, me, me, I'm Yosef. Up until that point, they still are steadfast in their convictions and their beliefs that they did the right thing because Yosef was wrong, his dreams were wrong, his prophecy was wrong, his interpretations were wrong. Then Yosef says, I am Yosef. He tells his brothers, "Who is Yosef? I, the Mishnah Lamelech, I, the second in command to Mitzrayim, I, who wields all power, all authority, who am the, I? Who am the de facto king of Mitzrayim? I, Yosef, who wears the crown to Mitzrayim, who second only to Paro himself, I am Yosef. What is he telling with those two words?" You guys are wrong. And you were wrong and you were always wrong. For 22 years you've been wrong. And the decision that you made 22 years ago was incorrect. And your understanding was incorrect. And your (coughs) uptight, your interpretation of my actions was incorrect. And your branding and labeling me of Amari bin was incorrect. And this clarity, quote-unquote, that you've been living with for 22 years, upon which... You 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 paskin that I was Chayv misa, And you paskin that I have to be sent to Mitzrayim. And you paskin that I have to be eliminated from Klai That I'm wrong. That my dreams are wrong. My interpretations of my dreams are wrong. That I'm never destined to become a malef. That's not my role in Klai You were wrong about all that. For 22 years, you guys have been living with a falsehood. For 22 years, you've been living with something you convinced yourself of, which has been totally incorrect. It's been revealed to be a fallacy. For 22 years, you've been living with a fallacy. <laughs> what? good, go, one step at a time. What's Excellent question. One step at a time. One step at a time. Uh, Kitsar HaMaisar, Yosef is saying, with those two words, you've been living with a wrong decision for 22 years. And as clear as it seemed to you, and as justified as it seemed to you, and as correct as it seemed to you, it was 100% wrong. And this, Rabbi site is the greatest din and that a person can receive. The greatest rebuke, and the greatest, the scariest type of rebuke, Re- and, and reprimanding and rebuffing that a yid can receive is when he's been shown and he is shown that he's been living with with, with with a fallacy. He's been living based on a bad decision and not just a bad decision but a bad decision that seems so clear that seems so correct that seems so right and I live with it and I work with it and I go forward with it and I can build years of my life off of that decision and decades of my life off that decision <coughs> when I'm shown suddenly I was not just wrong, I was totally wrong. That's the biggest din that we can get. That's the din in one second, that, that Yoyz's brothers got, got. And that says the base HaLevi, the Pshat the Medrash. The Medrash observes on this Pasuk, if they couldn't say anything, what's going to be with us after 120? We're going to come to Shemaim and we're going to be shown, look, you know, you did this for 30 years straight. And you thought you were doing a good thing. Just, just, let's flip all that around. We're going to look at it and we're going to be shown that we made such mistakes upon mistakes upon mistakes upon mistakes, but mistakes not that there were mistakes that, that, that you know things that we missed, things that we overlooked, but mistakes that came as a result of false convictions that we had false conclusions that we had, ideas and theories and lifestyles, mindsets that we talked into ourselves that we convinced ourselves of, that we live and, and, and navigate life on the basis of we're going to be shown that it was all wrong if we don't wake up in time. And that's what Yosef's brothers saw. You guys have been living for 22 years on the basis of a bad decision. On the basis of a bad conclusion. You guys were wrong about it. All you need to do is go ask Yaakov. Go ask Yosef. Ask somebody. Should we kill Yosef? Should we not? Someone would have shown you, no, don't do that. Don't do that. That's a bad move. That's wrong. But you didn't ask anyone. You convinced yourself. You talked yourself into it. You've been living with something that's incorrect for 22 years. And when they hear, Ani Yosef? That's all they need to hear to realize wow, we were wrong. We were talking wrong. He really was supposed to be the Melch. He really was. Those dreams are really correct. It really was prophecy and a vision. It was all true. Yosef was right the whole time. And we were wrong. And that rabbis is what going to be shown after 120. We're going to be shown how so many of the decisions that we make in life are wrong. Junctures that we arrive at. We go this way, not that way. We live with this decision and not that decision. And we base the entire, you know, Stages and 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 and, and uh, chunks of our life based on bad decisions. We're going to see how we may have talked ourselves into bad decisions and lived with the conviction that we are right for for big chunks of our life. We're going to be left, excuse me, speechless and 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 wordless, stunned and stupefied, just like the brothers of Yosef. Yes, Reb Meishri, you've been waiting to ask a question so patiently. Yes. Decision. Who knows what would be happening if they wouldn't sell him? Who knows what would happen if he wasn't there? Even, I mean, he they saw okay, we saved his hand; it's a bad decision. But he saved from his start. And he yeah, but
1: how do we always? How do we ever make
0: that? How do we ever know that, 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 that? how do we know ever that you know the difference between making a bad decision, um, which we will be held accountable said- for, and 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 really. Trying to make the best decision, but maybe making a mistake. That's what you're asking, right? How do we know that sometimes it's bad decisions that we make that we talk ourselves into, and, and 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 we convince ourselves that it's the right thing, but it's really the wrong thing. But you're you're raising, the, but sometimes like you're raising, you're saying that sometimes you know it, it, it was I just made a mistake. It wasn't like I talked myself into something that was wrong, like the brothers of yours. Sometimes I just made a mistake. How do we know they didn't just make a mistake? So what's always the litmus test between those two possibilities? Did I, am I convincing myself of something that doesn't make sense? That I'm convincing myself that it does make sense? It's really not a good thing to do? Or is it maybe, it really, everyone would, would, would believe this makes sense, and I, I just, you know, we all made a mistake, and I'm not held as accountable for that. How do you know when it's one and when it's, when it's the other? What's generally the, 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 the way of determining if it's the first or the second? Generally, the way of determining that is who did you ask? Did you ask anyone? Did you speak it out with anyone? Or did you say, no, 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 of course, of course we have to kill him. Of course, let's go kill him, guys! That's always the determining factor. Like, who who, who did you speak this out with? Go to Yaakov. Yaakov's the Ador. Go to Yitzchak if you think Yaakov's too close to home for him. Go to Yitzchak. Go seek out wisdom and counsel from someone. Who did you speak it out with? Nobody. Nobody. You would decide on your own, ah, Yitzchai Misa, let's go kill him. If we're quick to decide on we don't bounce it off some, we don't go seek counsel, advice from someone who's removed from the situation, who doesn't have the biases that we have, we don't do that, then we're clearly trying to convince ourselves of someone, yes. of something the, that may not be so oiska so the glad. This was like a what? Was what? The the okay. this was like a no. Was a so we'll no. Forget. No. Well, you know, it wasn't a good decision, but it was part of Hashem's plan. What, Two different things. Yes, this is yeah, a, yeah. That's right. Decision, yes. They made a bad decision. They did, the wrong, they did the wrong thing. But Yosef is able to see what? If it's from that it's part of Hashem's plan. Okay. That they ultimately, even with, when they make a bad decision, it now, can't ruin Hashem's plan. It was a bad decision. Yeah, you, we so how it? We can say this? If this was let me ask a question if if I if I uh, I I'm walking down the sidewalk what? oh very good I'm about to give this example I'm walking down the sidewalk I see I see old lady I see old lady waiting to cross the street I push her in front of a bus she gets run over by a bus okay okay don't try this at home I'm just I'm so upset I'm so upset I just see this old lady I push her right in front of the bus I, literally, I throw it under the proverbial bus, and she gets run over the bus, she dies. Okay? I'm in a bad mood. The bad mood. So I push this lady from the bus, this old Bobby, the babushka, She she gets run over the bus and she dies. Now, like, what, what, what are you doing? You know, you're, you know, you're a rub, you can't just push babushkas under the bus. You can't do that. No, you're gonna ruin your reputation. It's gonna what's the next? We're gonna have to make a fundraiser next year. People aren't gonna give money to the show so if something like this gets out. You know? What's gonna be? So yeah, it's a good question. I don't know. I kind of feel a little embarrassed, you know, a little shame that I, you know, I didn't control myself. But then 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 it gets out. Someone comes running forward, so they 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 you know they start to call the cops, the ambulances, you know, she's clearly dead. She gets squashed by the bus. They take out a wallet, take her identification, turns out she was a collaborator with the Nazis. She was a prison guard in the Nazi camps. Wow! She was Amalek herself. Amalek incarnate. So am I a good guy or a bad guy? Still a bad guy? I'm still, Of course I'm a bad guy. And of course it's going to be very bad for our next fundraiser, right? So that's why I'm not doing this kind of thing, right? We have to look, I have to act with an achrayist. We need to make fundraisers on a regular basis. You know, our entire is 2022. 20, but uh, of course I'm a bad guy. I did the wrong thing. Now... You can't beat Hashem and Hashem's master plans. Hashem happens to ha- be that Hashem orchestrated, Hashgachah brought this, that this one lady that I was in a rotten mood, I pushed a babushka in front of the boys. So it happened to be she was a, a, a prison guard in the Nazi camps. Okay. I'm a good guy because of that? Of course not. There's two different levels over here, right? Yosef is saying that I'm able to see that you everything you did didn't thwart God's plan, only worked into God's plan, but you guys did the wrong, the wrong thing. You made the wrong decision, but you can't beat God. That's what he's saying. You can't beat God. So anyway, anyway, this is the insight the, the that comes out of the passion. Let's, let's let's keep building on this. But but it, it's a, 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 a very a frightening, a sobering idea over here. All we are going to be shown, us at Lava after 120, is, you know, remember when you made that decision that, that affected you for 20 years of your life, 30 years of your life, 40 years of your life, 5 years of your life, 12 months of your life. Remember when you made that decision and you were so convinced you were doing the right thing, no, let's just show you, you were, you were totally wrong. You were totally wrong. And it was, it was the worst thing for you. And, and look what it did to you. Look what it would have been otherwise. We're going to be speechless. We're going to be stunned. Because, w- why? Not just because we did the wrong thing, but because we'll see in one instance how we had been living a life of lies, of fallacies, of wrong conclusions, and everything that we lived with, that we were so convinced of, was actually totally incorrect. This was the din the teichacha of Yosef's brothers. What they had been living with for twenty-two years was, was shown to them in one split second to be totally incorrect when they see that Yosef is indeed the melech. And with that, we can also go back and answer a, 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 a difficult detail about the parshas about these trilogy of parshas here, Ayish and You know, it says in Miketz that uh, when the brothers arrived in in Yosef's uh, um, chambers. Um, in his conference room where he met people to, to uh, request grain. So um, it says, Yosef, Vayar Yosef is kiru Vayak. He recognizes his brothers, they didn't recognize him. He recognized them and he, they didn't recognize him. Now why didn't they recognize him? Yeah, because he didn't have a beard. And He was he left when he was 17, he didn't have a beard yet. Now he's 39, now he has a, he has a gishmak a beard. So they didn't recognize him. a big cash over here. I mean, good, he didn't have a beard. But this was the brother, he lived with him for 17 years. You know, you know someone, how he talks, his body language, his mannerisms. There were so many clues that were patent, and obvious, right in front of them to pick up on that this is Yosef. Not only that, not only the fact that you would think, you know, your brother, if you're sitting with your brother, but he's wearing a beard, you're not going to pick up on on the fact his voice, his body language. what? Became very American. Could be. Could be. But there's a few more bothersome things that I say. A few more problematic things. First of all... He's not in power. How could he even get... Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. Okay, well, one second. One second. You gave... Whoa, 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 whoa. I'm asking some questions first. They had no England. goes was Yosef. Really? Uh, so again, first of all, they lived with this person for 17 years. Second of all... When he seats them for the great feast, you know what he tells them? He announces this out loud to everybody. He, he says, Okay, Ruvein, Shimon, Levi, Huda, Yisachar, and Zvulun, you sit on this table because I see through my goblet you all have one mother. <coughs> he and you, you sit over there, you have one mother. God and Asher, you sit over there because you have one mother also. Ben you come sit with me because I see that your mother is dead and my mother is also dead. He says this in the presence of all the brothers. So, one second. We're not going to start connecting these dots. They know that they sold Yosef to Mitzrayim. They know that Yosef went down to Mitzrayim. They know that he's been in Mitzrayim. They come to look for him, even Rashi says. they went. Rashi says they split up to look for him. No, that's not true. They were looking for him. They came to look for him. They know he's in Egypt. They came to look for him. And they know how he talks, how he moves. And he even tells them. He like bites them on the nose with this. He says, the Yemen doesn't have a mother... I don't have a mother. Yaman, please come sit next to me. No one starts thinking, hey, maybe this is really Yosef. Maybe this guy is really Yosef. So what's the answer? It's the same exact answer. They couldn't see Yosef. It was impossible for them to see him because it was impossible for him to be Yosef. Because if he would be Yosef, it would mean they were wrong. And they couldn't be wrong. When we are convinced that we're right, the truth could be right in front of us, we won't see it because we can't be wrong. We cannot be wrong. That's why they didn't see him. And that's why he had no qualms. Yosef knew this. He what was going on with him psychologically. He said, brazenly, you have no mother bin I have no b- b- mother, you come sit next to me. They were so convinced that they were right that it was impossible for them to see that he was Yosef. For him to be Yosef means he's the melech. And if he's the melech, they were wrong. If they were wrong, they're wrong. They can't, they can't be wrong. What? exactly, exactly. Exactly. Yes, question? Is that what? Tell him the twist? That he didn't have a mother? Oh, oh, yes, 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 yes. That's right. That's why he has to tell them twice also. Excellent. Reveal that is exactly right. Because it doesn't make any sense. Not processing. Not processing. When we, something can be right in front of us, but if it defies reality it defies reality, it doesn't process. I, 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 um... I said this story, everyone, so there's other places in, 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 the, in the Chumash where this comes up, that people don't process things because it's impossible. Like, the same thing comes up, actually, with Yehuda and Tamar. Um, when Yehuda meets his daughter-in-law, Tamar, and she's dressed up like a Zainab, like a harlot, so he, he solicits her services. So Rashi says over there with Yehuda and Tamar as well, that, that, uh, Yehuda didn't recognize her as Tamar because she always was sneeze. So it's the same idea over there that, how could Yehuda not know it's Tamar? This is his daughter-in-law. She lived in her father-in-law's house. So Rashi doesn't say that he didn't recognize her visually. It just says he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, um, recognize her as Tamar because it was impossible for this to be Tamar. Tamar was such a Tzadek, so it's such a, a Tznuah. It was impossible for Tamar to be a Zaina, so he saw her with his eyes, but in the process that it was impossible for to be Tamar. Um, you know, once I said this story, I think a number of years ago, when we first moved here, when we were at that part, of the Yehud and So when we first moved here, um, we were trying to, we, were, we, we had a chasna. My, we had a, a cousin who was getting married. This is a, a cousin who used to hang out by us in Eretz Yisrael. She used to come to our house once a week. She did chasna with us. Uh, now she, she's, uh, she's so she gotten married about a month after we moved here. So we had a whole plan that we kept it quiet. We didn't want her to know that we moved here. Because we wanted to surprise her at the wedding. So the plan worked. Her mother didn't tell her. Her brothers didn't tell her. And she was... our house On a weekly basis, she came to us in Shabbos, in Sanhedrin, in School and Eretz Yisrael. So we all showed up by the wedding. The last people she was expecting by this wedding was us, because we live in Eretz Yisrael. And my wife shows up with all the kids, all the girls. And they all walk over, casually, they stride over by the Kabbalah's Padim, to go give a Mazel Tov to the Kabbalah. And they're all standing there, my wife and like three of my daughters... And, and she's looking at them, looking at them, and, and she wants to raise her hand to say, Mazvash, she was unable to do it, unable to communicate all these things because she was looking at them and trying to, I, 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 I was witnessing this from a distance, trying to press, who are these people? Like, I know them, but I don't know I know these people, I don't know these people. And she was by her ass on a weekly basis. She spent Shabbat and bias. She didn't process who these people were because it was impassable for my wife and my three daughters to be there by the chassel. We live in Eretz so. We all flew in for the wedding. It, it took her a few minutes to process this. It's, it was an, an impossibility. Well, hopefully not that bad. But, um, okay, we have, that's that. We have two more minutes, by Isaiah, before we conclude from Myriv. One last idea. One last a Beautiful, beautiful idea. Okay, we're going to have to pack in 20 minutes into two minutes over here. It says that when uh, Yaakov is ready to move down to Egypt, who does he send first? Who's the vanguard who gets sent down first? Yehuda sent Gaisna to Gaisen Lohirus Lavanov. Rashi says, why is he, he sent Lahirus Lavanov? To make a base atamad. Yehuda sent first? To to establish a yeshiva. Yehuda has to make a yeshiva. So the uh the um Ribnassin the Chaim of Racham, Mashkirch of Lakewood, says an unbelievable, beautiful idea over here. Why do we send Yehuda first? Because what's Klysraul about to do? is about to do something for the very first time. What's Klysol about to do for the first time? We're all going down to Egypt, we're going to Gallus. Klai secret to survival in Gallus is the yeshivas have to get there first. And it says Ribnas Nosson if you look historically through the ages, whenever Klai has been sent to Galus, Hakadosh Baruch always arranges, Hashkach Ha'Pros always has it that the yeshivas get there first. When Klai went to Galus Bavel, there was a, there was a a, a a vanguard of 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 uh, Yidn that went to Galus beforehand. The Sanhedrin, the Gemara tells us, the Sanhedrin went to Galus before the, uh, several decades before the Beit HaMikdash was destroyed, and before Kleist was sent into Gaul's bubble, the Sanhedrin got there first, there was the Kharsh and the Mazgar, to have the Torah there first. Before the Khurban, the Khurban of, of Europe, before the, the Holocaust, and, and before it didn't need to be transplanted, you know, west to east, west to America, and east to Eretz Yisrael, Hashgacha had it, that the yeshivas were established first, before the, the Khurban, before World War II. We had uh, Revan Cutler, establishes Lakewood, um, Torah of was established, Chavetz Chaim, Chavetz Chaim Yeshiva was established first. The, the bastions of, of Torah in America and in Eretz Yisrael, the Yeshivas in, in Eretz Yisrael were also set up in the 20s before the Chorban, because before Klayzol goes into Galus, we have to have the survival for Galus. The, the way to survive Galus is by having the Yeshivas, by having Torah first. The shoals, the Beis medrashis, the Beis HaKnesses have to be there first. That's how Klayzol always survives. If the shuls, the Yeshivas, don't get there first, there's no survival. What's the pushup shot on that though? The pushup shot is not that. Uh, we just have to make sure there have to be Hadam to send our kids to, there have to be Yeshivas to send our kids to before we get there, otherwise we're not going to have Maizah to send our kids to. It's not just that, Rebbe, it's much more than that. Klaizah survives Gullus only by not being in Gullus. By not being in Gullus. How are we not in Gullus by having the base medrash to establish ourselves in? When Klaizah has a base medrash, a place to come and learn Torah, hear Torah, share Torah, we're not really in Gullus because the one constant that stays with Kleistro, wherever we go is Torah, and and, and the Rishonim tell us already, what separates Kleistro from all the other nations, every nation is only a nation because of either their language, or their heritage, or where they live, Kleistro, we've lived all over the place, we've had we have had dozens of languages, what keeps Kleistro, Kleistro is Torah, when we have Torah, we Kleistro wherever we go, when we have a connection to learning, when we have an interest in learning, we are Kleistro wherever we go, if that gets to Ghost we we're not really in Golis, if we really go to Golis, we'd never come out of Golis, and we're not going to come out of Ghost. But if the Torah gets there first, then we're not in Galus. we're still Kleisro. Wherever we go, we have that Mishkan that travels together with us. That's what's kept us going, and this Golos, the should keep us going. So the Sheikh should come very, very, very soon. Thank you all for joining our Torah of tonight. Have a wonderful Shabbat.